Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. Connor Morissette here with legendary Corona Centennial High School head football coach Matt Logan. Ten section championships, countless league championships. Coach Logan, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You just finished year 25 as head coach at Corona Centennial. We'll put you on the spot with this first question. If you could go back in time to 1997, your first year here as head coach, what would you tell yourself? Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of changes coming. I was I was young, and, and I had, at that time, too, had only been a coach. I think it was like my fifth year, like, actually coaching, period. Um, so I, I, I was not ready uh, like I thought I probably was when I got into it. So, but there's a lot of changes are coming. Yeah, this especially these last few years have been just crazy with this pandemic and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's you talk about I, I I talk to the kids all the time, even though they have no what the heck I'm talking about when I talk about being Stretch Armstrong. You got to be flexible. Like, What's Stretch Armstrong? You know, they don't even know what that is. So, but yeah, it's no. I would say that uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's coming and and, and uh, you know I don't even know if you could even prepare for a lot of it but it's just a matter of you know you, know, you got to be ready to deal with it and roll with the punches so you played at Norco and then I looked up you played at Fullerton and then went on to Chico State I believe is that or, yep, yep. is that all correct great exactly, yep. and so you played running back yes and then your back. okay <laughs> and then your first coaching job was at modern day in 91 as a defensive coordinator for the freshman team right yeah I was uh started off as a receiver coach there and and uh you know we had like 40 kids you know for the freshman team always has like 40 45 receivers which I didn't know until I you know I got out there and so my arm was worn out and then we had a couple coaches leave uh and so I had to ended up coordinating defense which was a lot of fun because I pretty much played on offense my whole entire career so it was fun to go over to the defense and and, and have some fun with that, learn that. And then take me through, so 96, you were an assistant coach here before getting the job in 97. You only spent one year at Modern Day. What did you do those in-between years? So that would be 92 to 95. Yeah, I went to Esperanza and coached um, 92 and 93 and and uh, was a uh, JV head coach and worked on the defensive staff there with Coach Pendleton and under under uh, Coach Gary Meek. Uh, and then I came here. Um, actually, no, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Modern Day was 92. So 92, modern day, 93, 94 at Esperanza, and then came here in 95, 96 as a varsity defense coordinator. So here, 96, you're an assistant under Ron Geringer, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. And that was known as a legendary season around here, right? You beat Norco for the first time in a while, and you advanced all the way to a championship game. I'm sure you learned a lot in that season. Take me back to that time and just take me through that year and some of the things you learned. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So my, my even the year, year prior to that, the team had uh, was their first in '94 was their first playoff victory, first time I think they had beaten Corona, and then we came in in '95 with a bunch of kids, and it was a very senior laden team, a bunch of young kids who were really uncertain, and then as that year went on, we lost in we lost in the uh, in the semifinals, had a great year, and had a lot of those kids coming back, so we had a lot of talent. So the the expectations were a little different coming in for that for that next year, and, and we did a good job and got to the finals and just didn't quite put it all together at the end. But it was it was great uh, having that. It was a really close knit group of kids, and it, it, matter of fact, there's there's still a couple of those kids that I that I that I still in contact with from that team. Did you rise through the ranks d- defensively? Because when I think of you, I, I think of the cool trick plays on offense <laughs> and, and, you know, going forward on fourth down a lot. I, I think more offense and you played offense when you were a player, but coaching, it seems like you did focus more defensively, at least early on. That's just the kind of way it fell. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a pretty, I played some defense in high school, but played offense most of my career in football career and, and uh, played running back, which I think is probably out of all the positions on offense, probably the least knowledgeable position in terms of what you got to know. I mean, really. So, so I was very happy when, uh, or not, you know, just very 
excited about the opportunity to learn defense because I didn't know a lot about defense. I think being a runner, you know, had I been a quarterback or receiver in alignment, I would have a little more information. Knew how to block things, and uh, you know, obviously knew how to, some of the run game and pass protection. But that was about it. I had no clue what two deep and three deep was, and uh, so that was good for me to get over there on defense side, so learned that, and loved loved that. And, and my goal when uh, when I came when I started working on offense as a you know a couple years into being a head coach was was I want to take that defensive mentality to offense. I want to be aggressive and attack and 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 make them, you know, force some things happen and make them force things to happen and stuff like that. Don't just sit back and, and wait, you know. And, and and so that's part of the reason why some of that mentality comes through. Um, I also think, too, that, you know, one of the things that was benefit for me is uh, Coach John Barnes was at Los Alamitos, and Esperanza, that was our big rival. Well, I used to have a pretty good arm back in the day, so I was always playing the, the – Kevin Federick's and, and the, the countless other quarterbacks they had that were awesome. And so I got to run the scout cards. And so I was looking at this, and I'm, you know, it was, it was a spread offense, probably one of the original ones. And I'm watching this. I'm like, gosh, you know, if somebody can, uh, you know, develop a, a power run game on this, I think this might be pretty deadly. And, and so that's how it was born. So took a lot, took some of his stuff and, uh, and, 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 took some other people's stuff and kind of put it all together and just kind of blended it and started doing arm stuff. And then that's how the offense is kind of generated. Amazing. So in 2022, this upcoming season in the past few years, do you call the offense? Take me through your game day duties just because I probably should know this as, as, as a reporter. Been around here a couple of years. You're calling the plays? I do call it, but yeah, and and we we do it as kind of a group thing as well. There's you know five. We have kind of actually an unusual amount on on the headsets. I think we have six coaches on the headsets total. We might even have more, but and we all kind of have input. We all kind of have our responsibility. What input we give prior to the snap or immediately after the play is the the play is over, and uh, and then we kind of decide. You know, some guys will suggest plays, and sometimes I go with it. Sometimes I don't. Um, I, I kind of look at it this way, and and this I learned as young in my coaching career is you know if uh, as being an assistant coach for somebody you know. The win or loss, and usually the loss really gets pinned on the head coach. So if we're going to lose, I want to lose with my decision, if that makes sense. Since I'm going to get pinned with the loss anyway, so uh, I kind of always felt that way. I'm, if we're going to kind of like if we're going to lose it, we're going to lose it my way, <laughs> so to speak. You know, at least I felt good about what what we called or what we did, and, and if, if it didn't work, it didn't work. You know, and that's the way it goes. So that was that was a valuable lesson through all your years. Is- Maybe you can name a name, maybe not, but it, was there ever an assistant who said, hey, do this, and it ended up winning you a game that you can oh, think of? Absolutely, yeah. So there's been t- multiple times of that and, and and multiple examples of that, and the guys do that to this day. And, you know, hey, we like this, we like this. And, and you know, what's what I think has changed too, and getting back to the original question was, you know, how what, what would you tell yourself? I mean, the the technology component and just, you know, the, the way you can break down teams now so much faster and so much more productive. And I think it actually gives you – uh, you know, less things of kind of being surprised a little bit less on Friday nights than what we were back in the day. And, you know, especially now that we can watch stuff on the sidelines, you know, having a sideline replay and, and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like I don't even watch our defense play because we're over there reviewing every play on offense. And, you know, uh, my coach up top will have to tell me, hey, get over there. We need timeouts or whatever. You know, we got something going on you need to address. So that's changed a lot too. I mean, before, before you know, I – I mean, and my DC is a great DC. He's been with me forever, Dan Herring, and uh, but I let him do what he wants to do, anyways. But there are situations where sometimes we might want to, you know, on special teams or something, we might want to do something or not do something, and so I have to bid. Uh, that part has changed. I guess I have to really have to. Hey, we got to get back over here, and you know, cause forget about the offense. We got to forget about, talk about the team now, type of thing. How'd you manage? Do you think to get the head coaching job after only being the defensive coordinator for one year? I'm sure you had to interview for the young head coaches listening. What do you think put you in the best position to be in the spot to get the job? You know, I think I think it was timing, honestly, and and I think that the fact that uh, the 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 
administration here at the time had saw me coach, had liked my energy, liked what I did, saw my organizational skills, and I was, you know, I was just becoming a new teacher too. I, I was, it was my second year of being a teacher. So, and, um, and the opportunity came and they, I think they felt like they, that they saw maybe I could do something. The funny thing quote, and I always talk about this too all the time is the quote from the principal was, uh, from Mr. Mitchell was, well, I know you can coach defense. I guess we'll find out if we can coach offense too. So I always, <laughs> so I always refer back to that and laugh about that. When did you start calling the plays? Did you do it from the get-go? I did not. No, I, I well, I kind of tried to do both and that wasn't very successful. And then, uh, uh, in 1999, I took over the offense solely of calling the plays and then turned the defense over to Dan Herring, who's still my defense corner. And, uh, so we've grown up together with, with this whole program. That is amazing. It's similar to what's going on at Modern Day, and I want to talk about Modern Day. So 92, not 91, you were the freshman defensive coordinator there, and that was in you know the, the prime of getting that Modern Day run kind of started with, with, with Bruce Rollins. And what did you learn from him? And, and I know in 2000 he pulled you aside at a championship luncheon and gave you some good advice, and I want to ask you about that in a second. But do you remember what it was like working with him way back 30 years ago? You know, uh, I, the, the passion he had for the game um, – and just the way that uh, he conducted himself, you know, at practice and, and the way that – and really, the, I guess, you know, really what the culture and expectation was, you know, of guys coming in expected to, to work hard, um, be respectful, and, 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 and treat the game the way it's supposed to be treated. And I think that's, you know, what I saw there. And, you know, that was, again, my first coaching opportunity. So I'm, I'm you know – Bright-eyed and, and looking at everything, and just trying to just trying to you know coach my position, which now was a new defensive position, which I've never <laughs> been involved with. But I said, as soon as they want to do this, I said, sure, I'll do it, and just learn learn on the fly. It's always better for me to do it that way. And then I, I read so in two thousand, you, you make the championship game, and at that Southern Section luncheon, you go over to Bruce, or maybe he came over to you. I I don't know how it worked out, but in the article, at least it said you weren't even sure if he was going to remember you, and then he gave you some good advice. What was the advice, and then what did that mean to you? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I, I pretty much, and in, in, in without being verbatim, but it was you know, hey, you got here for a reason. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's just like another game, and uh, and that was awesome. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was going to remember me, and, and I went up. I said, Coach Matt Logan, nice. And he, oh yeah, go hey buddy, how you doing? So, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And now you guys have had so many battles, and I read in the L.A. Times that you talk about your grandkids now, which is crazy what a journey for for both of you guys okay so the 10 southern section championships i wrote out the dates i didn't know you had 10 i knew you had a lot but i was looking at the record book and then it was like okay 2000 2002 oh 2004 07 08 and then so i got all, all the dates here but we don't have to list off all of them what again might be putting you on the spot do you have a favorite championship out of the 10 <laughs> Uh, they're all great. I, I kind of look at, you know, like kind of like tacos. They're all good. There's some that are better than others, but they're all great, you know. Um, uh, no, but there are some ones that are more memorable. Obviously, the first one, it was amazing. And, and uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I, 2014 comes to mind, too, because we were in the Pac-5, the biggest division for the first time, and, and people felt like we didn't belong there. We weren't going to do well. And then that playoff run was just incredible because we played – basically four CF championship games and they were all played that way it was the matter of fact the largest margin of victory was the actual championship game against Bosco was seven everything and we played Gardena Sarah I think the final was 68 to 65 and it was nuts and then we beat Marday who had, had beat us very handily uh the first game of the year that year and and without a couple guys we had we injured um and then 
played Bishop Almont and it came down to the last play basically and and uh and then and then played Bosco and and I think that because we were just so um unheralded and 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 really I felt like uh, at least in the final game for sure the talent level wasn't the same and um and that, so the 14 was like a true underdog story in my mind, you know, in our, in our mind. And, you know, going playing the big A and and me being worried about, okay, well, we haven't played a stadium like that. So I did the old Hoosiers thing, you know, during the week. Hey, do you know how long the football field is? you know how wide it is? And just started asking questions. And then when we got there, hey, look how long this football field is, you know, did all that. And whether it helped or not, I don't know. We won. So I guess it did help in some capacity. But, uh, yeah, I was just kind of worried about us being a little starstruck and, and – uh, we did. We came out and, and played our butts off. When you go up against a team that, on paper, has more talent than you, and you win the game, is there a key? Is it just executing exactly the game plan from the jump? Is it your program from January all the way till the end of the year, and the guys have just bought in? How, how do you beat a team with more talent? I think it's all that. I also think, though, that you know, it comes down to the kids believing and 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 and. Uh, and wanting to and, and believing in what everything from what we say, what we do, and 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 having buy-in and, and understanding that you know people have success in high school football. You don't have to be the biggest, fastest, and the strongest to win. And and there's a lot of ways to do that. And and and, and execution sure has something to do with it. You know, and there's there's a little luck involved as well. There always is. And uh, you know, you look at this past weekend and some playoff games. There was a few calls that could have changed the game here or there. So uh, and, you know, there's always things like that. But uh, you know, in the end, typically, most of the majority of the time, the better team that night wins. I looked at some of the closer championship games that you had, and if you have a story for, from these games, great. If not, I'm happy to move on. So in 2002, another really high-scoring game. It's 57-55 over JW North. Combined both teams over 100 points. What happened on that night? Yeah, I think it was 7-7 at halftime. That's a, Yeah, it was a triple overtime game. That, it was nuts. It was it was an incredible game, and, and that, that is certainly is one of the most memorable ones as well. And, and in fact, it was kind of interesting because uh, that was, I think that was, or or not far along before that was the new three point or two point, excuse me, three point, two point rule. You know, in terms of the way they did overtime and things like that. And then, and then there was uh, there was always that question because I think college had been doing it, and I think in the third one you had to go for two. Well, I- anyway, so we weren't sure of the rule. None of us were, but but North had uh, twice in that game had hit our kicker. And um, and so he literally could not kick anymore. And so on the third one, we had called a swinging gate type play, and and it worked. And that gave us. So they had to go for two. They ended up scoring, and they had to go for two. And they didn't get it. And uh, and I could still see Jody Johnson picking off that pass in the end zone. And uh, and it was great. But it was just you know everybody said, oh that was so awesome, you know that. You know, on the third one, you had to go for two. And I'm like, well, we weren't sure about that, but we couldn't kick anyways because he was hurt. <laughs> he got banged on the first two. So it was kind of a funny story, but it worked out good. 2004, it's a win against Norco, a, a rivalry, a school you went to. I'm sure that one felt pretty good. It did, and that was the second time we played him that year, and that's always tough to do. And uh, and they had Toby Gerhardt and and a great offensive line and, and a great defense. And, yeah, that was that was a heck of a game, too. That came down to the final few minutes. The score probably doesn't indicate it, but it was a lot closer than I think it was maybe a 14-point game, or I'm sure, or maybe 21. But it was seven points, you know, into the fourth quarter. Are there any Norco people still to this day who are mad you're the coach here? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. That that blue blood runs deep there. So, <laughs> uh, If you don't mind, we'll just keep running through some of these close games. I'm really enjoying hearing some of these stories. So in 08, it's a 23-17 to win against Chaparral. Uh, anything memorable from that one that you remember? Yeah, we had – well, we had um, 
we had played each other a couple times in the previous years in preseason and in the finals or semifinals. And they had beat us uh, in 2006. They upset us. We had six turnovers. And uh, it was that's tough to beat. And, 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 and we'd had some good games. So that, that, was, a, that was a huge game. I remember uh, being very physical, being very wet and muddy down there at their field. Um, it, was, it was a good win, very tough win. 2012, 30-28 over Vista Murrieta, another regional game. And they, not that they're not good now, but they were a power back then, right? They had won a lot, and so that yeah, was yeah. a, we, a big one. There's, there's probably three or four of those against them uh, in, in, within the next three to five years of that from there. And it was a good, really good rivalry and, and very well-coached team and always had battles with them, always had battles. They got us the one time, but we got them the rest, so that was good. In 2015, you mentioned how in 2014 you felt like you didn't have as much talent as Bosco. In 2015, you played them, beat them again. Did you feel like that team was more talented? It was more of a level playing field or was it a similar situation yeah. i thought it was more level at that point what was the difference uh our kids were a year older and 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 had seen that and been there done that and 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 just were you know we had some turnover in terms of you know and that 2014 team we had some seniors that um you know most of them were well, not most of them but a few of them didn't even play college football they were just really good high school football players and really really enjoyed the game and really uh, believed in what we were doing and and, and and it was great leadership and 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 so in 15, we had more more talented guys, and 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 you know a lot of guys from that went on to play college, and and so we kind of felt you know in that game that was more of a level playing field. Every coach I talk to, they'll talk forever about the wins, obviously, but they'll talk even longer sometimes about the losses. Those are the ones that stick with you. Maybe you have a couple, maybe you have one. Is there a most crushing defeat that comes to mind when I ask you that question? Oh gosh, well obviously the modern day game just a you know a couple months ago was was a tough one because we had the ball twice inside the five and failed to score and felt like we had our opportunity there. Uh, obviously, when you lose by five, um, losing to De La Salle um, the first time when we were getting our, our tails kicked and then came back and got within seven at the end and and uh, and 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 didn't win that one. Um, losing to De La Salle again in 2015 state championship because um, felt like we were. You know, had the opportunity to do that and just didn't didn't play real well and had some didn't have some breaks go our way. Uh, do I need to go on? This is painful. <laughs> this is painful. Uh, <laughs> no, that 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 is okay. I remember after basketball season talking to the Etiwanda coach Dave Kleckner, and we named him Coach of the Year at Scorebook Live, and he kept going on and on about how he was so happy to have won this year, but the loss against Sierra Canyon before the pandemic when Sierra Canyon had the big comeback. No matter how long he coaches and how long he lives, that'll be the game he remembers the most for the, all the wrong reasons. So I always, whenever I ask that question, I always think of Coach Kleckner because he truly took those losses harder than anyone else. And there's a certain player or two, too, that just sticks with you. Gosh, if I would have done this or if we'd have done this or that would have happened, you know, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. You kind of liken that to a quarterback throwing a bad interception. You have to just get over it and move on. How challenging is that? Yeah, you do. You do. And, and, and you know, it's not life or death. And the sun will rise the next morning, especially here in California. It usually does. So, uh, yeah, you, you move on and, and you learn from it and you get better. After a tough lot, I know I only played flag football. I was a soccer kid growing up, so I, I wish I had more experience playing. But after I watched the New England Patriots, my favorite team, so they got killed this past weekend. And uh, after a tough game like that, I usually go for a walk. After a tough game where you're a coach, I know you'll probably want to go get some sleep afterwards. Is there anything you'll do after a tough loss to try to put it behind you? Uh, we pretty much do the same thing. We just go hang out and, and, and talk about the game. And sometimes we watch it, sometimes we don't. And just hang out together as you know, as, as coaches, as staff, and, and with our families. And that, that's pretty much it. We 
pretty much the same either way, win or lose. Win or lose, yeah, that's nice that you have a staff that that's close like that. Okay, so the last question about losing, I promise. So last title in 2015, that was the last time you made it to a Southern Section Championship game. How come it's harder now to make it to a Southern Section and State Championship game than it was in the past decade, would you say? Yeah, I think the dynamics have changed. I think the, uh, the private school's reach has extended for whatever that's worth um, in multiple ways. So I think uh, – and I think you kind of see that. I, I, you, you, it's almost like you either have a really good team or you're not very good at all. It's like all the middle teams are, have kind of been eliminated. It's like there's no middle class anymore. And, and, uh, and that's what I kind of see going on in high school football, you know, because just their, their guys are missing their guys. So their guys go elsewhere. And, and, and so I think that's the biggest difference. It's the dyna- dynamics have changed. I mean, there's, you know – there's two private schools that are always going to be up there, and they probably always will be. And then there will be somebody that will be, you know, knocking at the door from either the private or public sector. And so far we've been the public team to be able to do that, so we're going to keep trying to do that. And when we get that special team, we get that right group, and things go well, then, then we'll be there. What do you think about next season? A lot of guys coming back. Do you think you have a chance to win, to at least push again like you did this season? I do, I do. I think it's probably one of the more talented teams coming back. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to go into that, go into that as well. And um, – and I see this a little bit like that 2015 team where we're coming back with a lot of experience and a lot of talent, and, and we're right there. Um, you know, So you know, we are expecting big things from us this year. Certainly. It'll be a really fun ride to, to watch that. How would you say high school football players are different in 2022 compared to when you first started coaching? Is there anything you can noticeably see or – are they still kids to you? A lot. They're still kids. Um, there is. There is. You know. Everybody wants to use the entitlement thing, and there is a little bit of that. And 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 we, we try to make them understand that uh, that is not the case. That's the way things work here. Um, and 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 maybe I'm a little more older school, I guess, in that um, regards. But it is tough. It's a different kid, and you know. And and even with you know, the pandemic and those things, and, and now dealing a little bit with some mental issues, and and and. I, mean, I guess it's a good thing that that's bringing it up, brought to the forefront a little bit, and kids are more willing to express that and get help if they need that. Um, but that that's been a, a, another challenge on on our plate, and, and I'm not so sure we're equipped to handle all that. So, but you know, we we send them on to the right people and and try to do what we can here from our standpoint and try to send them on to the right people. But uh, you see a little more of that than 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 before. What do you think the secret is? And there's no easy answer for this, but you've been able to build a power at a public school, one that's lasted decades now. How'd you do it? I mean, that's too general of a question, but is there something that you think you do well that maybe other schools aren't thinking about? Maybe you just uh, are a fantastic coach and other people can't measure up. I mean, yeah, I'm the greatest coach in the world. That's why. Uh. You know, what is it? Why is this team always seem to be in that last four, the last few years, always in Division One? I? I mean, yeah, we look at modern day, we look at St. John Bosco, they're always there, but then you guys are always there as well, at least in the last few years. I think I think what separates us from from other schools is is number one, our administration is so involved and so all about the kids experience and activities not just football it's everything they support everything i mean we have every club that you can imagine is on this campus we have all obviously varsity sports and and and, and those things too but i mean they're there is they're very they're very much about kids and about kids getting involved in stuff whether that be football dance chess club key club whatever i mean it's it's amazing. It's an amazing school. My three daughters come through here, and uh, and 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 I don't live in the school's boundaries, so uh, um, they had choices to go elsewhere. Uh, but but they came here and they and had great experiences. Um, 
administration. I also think, too, and in, in this day and age, especially I think this is getting rarer, is, you know, you just mentioned it was my 25th year as head coach. Well, I've had a lot of the same coaches for a long time. So we have a very stable coaching staff, and we all understand each other, and we understand the expectations, and, 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 and that is then brought on to the kids. I think kids that come here understand that, you know, and everybody says this, but we work really hard. And I, I'd be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find schools that don't work harder than us. So, but the two biggest thing I think would be stable coaching staff and, and the admin that has supported, um, not just football but all kids. And I think the two biggest things. And obviously we work hard and and we get some talented players. You got to have players to, to, to win games as well, and that that helps. When you say supportive administration, what do they do that maybe some other schools? the administration isn't doing? I think, you know, I can't speak for their administration because I'm not there, but I'm here. I think every decision they make is kids first. It's not about what's going to make the school look good. It's not about what's best for their future career uh, endeavors. Uh, it's about how can we help kids? What can we do to, to, it's all about kids being first. And I think, you know, that's, you know, when I think when you get into education, that, that you're there to help kids. It's not about, you know, we're not doing I mean, we get paid pretty well as California teachers, but we're never going to be rich. You're never going to have those things. You know, those are things you, you know that's what's going to happen when you get into this uh, education, uh, you know, career. And, and, and so I think, you know, they've, they've always – and I, I'm, I'm on my fifth principle now. <laughs> I've outlasted the principles. But uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. But, uh, um, but that's all been the same. It's all been about – kids first I think our district generally uh you know uh believes in that as well but I think this school in particular for some reason has that and they show it and they prove it year in and year out I need to ask a couple questions about the two quarterbacks it looks like they'll both be back obviously as juniors the year before now seniors Izzy Carter Carson Conklin you'll be doing the two quarterback system again right before I ask these questions as long as everything's equal yeah and I and uh, yeah as long as everything's still equal and uh you know what, what I think is unique for this, and I, maybe I should let you answer the question first, but what I think what's unique for us in this situation is, you know, I've had, I've had this before, but it's never been kids in the same two class. That's, that's a different thing. And you yeah. used three before. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, 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 and I think that, uh, you know, they're, and they're just they're different players. That's what's crazy about it, too. You know, and 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 they're different kind of players, and and they're and they're obviously they've got Division One offers. They're both very good players, and and we can win with both of them. That's why they both play. We saw St. John Bosco do it as well this past year. Why do you think the two quarterbacks gives you the best chance to win? Well, I mean, I, we've always believed, and and then again, uh, probably going back to my defensive background and coaching is, you know, I always believed in playing as many kids as you can. I mean, I just think it's better for team morale. I mean, Art and I mentioned earlier, we work really hard. If you work really hard, you know, you deserve to get paid. And pay is playtime, you know. So we try to, we try to do that. Uh, I, I would play as many kids as I can, you know, as long as they're prepared and, and, and they're at a level that we can compete and win at against who we're playing. And that's, and that's important. And so, so I've always believed in that. And, that. and then we're talking special teams, defense, and offense. And so I think that, you know, coming over the other side, that's why, you know, when we got multiple running backs, we play all the running backs. You know, if we got multiple receivers to play that. I mean, and I, in a perfect world, we'd have eight or nine linemen rotating every year because you, for sure, you know, somebody's going to get injured at some point in time. And so now you've got a, a kid that understands what you're doing, knows how to play, has experience, can step in and play, and you don't miss a beat. Um, that's the benefit from our standpoint. From the other standpoint, it's just great morale. It's good culture. Kids know, hey, I might not lead the county in something, but I'm going to get enough touches to if I want to move on to college to where people can see what I can do on film and I, and I still get an opportunity to take a scholarship if I earned one. Unless you're killing an opponent, it's 
common for one player to be better than the other. That just happens in football. Someone's going to have a better day than someone else. And you, I've asked you after games before, did you ever consider riding with one of the quarterbacks? And it could apply to other positions as well. Did you ever consider playing this kid more? But it sounds like for you, if there's an injury, you might. But if your hand isn't forced, you're going to keep going with with the two guys. And that seems to be your philosophy. Is that accurate? Right, absolutely. And you got to be consistent in your philosophy. Otherwise, it's not a philosophy. And otherwise, kids will say, hey, I thought these were the rules and you can't change the rules. Interesting. Okay, I appreciate you answering those questions. I already asked about next season. I'm sure you're very excited about it, like you said. feels like on paper you have one of the best teams uh, you've had in a while. Would you mind if you could ranking some of the teams? What year, if I say, who's the best team you've ever had? What year comes to mind? You know, it's tough because I always look at units. I think more like offensive unit, defensive unit, special teams, or what, what teams have, and... You know, I mean, you know, for example, and things have changed. I mean, for example, when we won our state championship in 2008, we had a left tackle that was 170 pounds. He was on the swim team. I mean, I can't imagine that in this day and age right now. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it can happen, and I want, and I, and I hope because it is high school football that that can happen. But I, I don't know if we can get away with that now. You know, and 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 uh, you know, they've all. The, Every team I've had, regardless of what they've done, has been special to me, and the kids are because I know what they've gone through to get onto the field, and I know, you know, what 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 they mean to me and, and, and what we mean to them as terms of coaches in a school. So uh, that's tough. That would be really tough. It'd have to be, you know, I mean, it's easy to say 2008, you have, you know, a couple NFL guys on that defense. So that would be the best defense, right? Just from a talent standpoint, you think, but uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, offensively, I mean, it, it, who knows? It just depends. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. In terms of last year, that secondary was incredible. Even modern day who threw the ball on everyone and even against Servite in the section championship threw it on them a lot easier than they threw it against you. They really struggled. I think that was the only game their quarterback didn't have a throwing touchdown the whole year. Was that secondary the best you've ever had, do you think, or is that too far to say? Definitely one of them. Definitely one of them, yeah. You know, the group that uh, – that 2015 group had a really good secondary as well. You know, uh, um, with Cameron Bynum, we played for the Vikings, went to Cal, had a great career. Um, uh Kentrell Love went to Washington. Uh, Chacho Safety went to Chacho Yolo went to Arizona. Um, you know, so there's three guys out of four that are Division One. You know, Pac-12. I mean, you don't you don't get that very often. You know, even you know if you get two defensive linemen that are scholarship athletes on the field at once, that that's huge. You know, and so that's why that you know that that 2008 defense comes to mind. You know, with the two two Division One defensive linemen, and you know, obviously got Vontez Burfick in the middle guiding things and. Uh, so yeah, that's why, you know, I think when you look at it just from the from the end result. But for as far as high school teams, I mean, there's been plenty of, you know, great. You know, when, when I was here in 96, uh, when we were defense coordinator, that was one of the best defense we ever had here in school. Still got a lot of school records, you know. And it was great, great defense, you know. And I don't know if there was too many of those guys, you know, especially from a D-line standpoint, that would play on any of these teams. <laughs> so, you know, it's just – but as a unit, it was awesome, you know, and the way they played and the way they dominated. It seems like today a lot of kids come in – pretty heralded already for middle school sometimes the best of the best kids you already sort of have an idea who's really good and and who's not are there examples that you can think of of a kid who came in as a freshman didn't really know anything about him and then boom he's a senior and he's going on to play division one anyone who came in with not a lot of hype who left with a ton of hype absolutely you know one 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 kid in particular and there's a a lot that come in that way And, and and honestly I don't follow that as much stuff as probably people think I do. I really don't. I just I'm just not into that. I, I got granddaughters now, and I got things to do on Saturday, and then go watch youth football. I'm not I'm not demeaning it by any stretch of imagination, but I know how things are, and and I'm not a super big social media guy, so I lose out on that aspect of it probably too. But but you know I, I feel like kids come here because they want to come here, and, and they know what they're getting into. 
It's that simple, plain and simple. So I don't, there's nothing I need to do. I think, you know, I always believed in if you build it, they will come. And, and that's from that standpoint. I think that, um, you know, one kid in particular, there's been multiple examples, but one kid, his name was Wayne Hedrick. Um, he came here as, I think it was senior year, it was 97, but he came here as a freshman. He played 10 plays total his whole freshman year. As a senior, uh, got a scholarship to San Diego State as linebacker. I mean, that's just, you know, I use, his, I use that example specifically about a kid never had played football before, fell in love with the weight room, completely made himself into a great football player, and played his heart out every game and got a scholarship as a senior. You know, Ten plays as a freshman, never played football before. What's the key to having that result? Work ethic, I'm sure, is the biggest factor. You have to have some skill as well, but when you see a guy in that position, what was the biggest factor to him getting that scholarship, do you think? I, I just He was motivated. His dad was super supportive and very involved. Parents, Both parents were, and, and they did whatever they could to help him become – stronger and 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 faster and a better athlete you know you're talking for a kid made from scratch that had no really i'm not sure if he even played many sports honestly getting into high school Vontez perfect that comes to mind is maybe the best player you've ever had uh when i ask you who do you think the best players you've ever had is there a name that jumps out I, there are a bunch of nfl guys you can list those if that's the answer who, who do you think's the best yeah there's too many you'd have to almost do it by position and even that's tough even that's tough you know we 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 sit down sometimes and do like a, you know, all centennial team. And it's like, well, you know, we end up having like 10 linebackers and, you know, eight running backs. You know, we only play with one running back. I'm like, oh, but how do you eliminate these kids? You know, there's so many guys that that were awesome. I mean, you know, J.J. Taylor's career was it was remarkable. And the fact that, you know, he's still playing in the NFL at, at his size and it just shows you his athletic ability and, and, and how tough he is and, and, and what he does. You know, Vontez, obviously, we already talked about. Uh, Will Sutton was amazing. I mean, there's – I mean, there's a there's a linebacker you probably never even heard of named Israel Zapata, who was on our 2000 uh, CI championship, our first team. That was an incredible, incredible inside linebacker for us. He would, he could hit you as hard as anybody from six inches away, as well as six yard running away from you. It was just you know, Brett Martin, who played had a good career at uh, San Diego State, was a great player for us. I mean, the Bass brothers. I mean, where do you, where do you pick between them? You know, all great players, quarterbacks, Taylor Martinez, Robert Weber. Uh, Anthony Catalano was just in here. Um, you know, I mean, you can go down the list of quarterbacks that uh, played here, and, and it's just yeah, there's a lot of great players. I mean, I, I'm, I'm offensive lineman Daniel Negretti was one of the first ones, and was still has a lot of strength records. One of the strongest guys, like you know, there's guys that are that have been nicknamed the fridge, but he literally was a fridge. He was a square. He was a square. He was, you know, six foot, three hundred pounds, and strong as that. Came in squatting four hundred pounds. I mean, who does that as a freshman? You know, and I think left squatting like 650 or something crazy, and we and we back we didn't want to you know hey that's enough like the risk of getting hurt then adding 25 pounds on your ridiculous squat max already is not worth it you know and and uh, and just you know I mean so many great players and and, and Lamar Broadway at quarterback uh, Sean Lewis who, who Sean Lewis was a quarterback on the 2004 uh, CI championship 2002 excuse me championship team that didn't play varsity. Played JV his sophomore and and uh, sophomore and junior year didn't lose a game, and then played varsity. We hung out and stayed here because guys that were seniors in front of him and stayed his senior year and led us to a CI championship. You know and broke school passing records. I mean, just there's a countless countless guys. You know Cameron Hunt who played offensive line for us and played some defensive line for us had a great career in, at Oregon. It was fun and, and got to follow that career. Uh, you know, jeez. Uh, we could be here all night, but it, 
so reminiscent. But yeah, a lot of great players, a lot of great kids. Back then, was it more common to stick it out and wait for your senior year to play, or was it common to transfer then too? Uh, we'll stick it out for sure. Yeah, and I and, and we, there was there was always like we talked about every year. Okay, who's going to be that 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 senior that didn't play much as a junior that's going to be a great player for us? Because it happens every year. Every year it does, and 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 it's just it's fun to see that it's fun. The light turns on, or they're like, "Hey, I, I, you know, there's this young guy behind me. It's either now or never. If I don't, if I don't step on the gas here, and it's just amazing. But that happens forever. Who was it for you last year? Anyone come to mind? The senior that really turned it on, uh, Lawrence Williams, was a safety for us. Yep, he he would be that guy that didn't play a ton as a junior and, and just came out and had an incredible senior year. Are there some of the NFL guys or just ex-players who, who you keep in touch with more often than uh, some of the other ones? Are, are you in touch with any of the NFL guys to this day? What's the correspondence like as a high school coach? Is it just texts before games, emails? Take me through just your contact with some of these guys. Uh, usually texting or visit, yeah. Like well, J.J. Taylor um, uh, texts with uh, a little bit, and, and we'll – and when he comes down, he visits, and he's been to my house, stuff like that, and it's fun to hang out with him and talk to him. I, I just love hearing their stories. It's funny to hear their stories, too, from high school from us, you know, and their perspective of how we were, you know, and how our perspectives are different, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's fun for that. Um, a lot of guys – it, it's a little tougher now, honestly, like when from when I first started and how much smaller the teams were. I mean, gosh, when we, our first few teams, I mean, we we still laugh about this with the other guys, how we used to lift weights with them. We And on Fridays after speed training, we always played them after speed training because we wanted to make sure they were worn out. But we'd go in the gym and play basketball, you know. And then, you know, so all of us would go down and there'd you know, be 25 kids in there, but that's all we had pretty much on the team. And we'd go in there and play basketball. You couldn't do that now. We got 120. And, and, and because of the numbers, you know, we're so more – you know, offense and defense separated and, and position specific. So it's tougher to get to know the majority of kids like that than it was back in the day just because of the sheer numbers alone and, 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 and all, a lot more specialization, really. As a Patriots fan, I got to ask, did J.J. share anything about Bill Belichick that you can share here? If not, it is okay. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, he, did, he, he's, he, he loves Bill Belichick, loves everything about it, and says it's very similar to what we do here, which was interesting. That was a compliment, yeah. And I asked him, I said, hey, what's Cam Newton like? Because I want to know. And, uh, and he goes, he is a character, and he's the greatest guy. And it was good to hear that. You know, it's, you see Cam, you, he's so flamboyant, you don't know what, what you're going to get. And, and so to hear somebody that's in the locker room every day say that was, was pretty cool. I have a few other questions for you, Coach. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time. Looking back on this past season, of course you want to win the game, and it's all about wins and losses. But does it make you feel any better months removed that – that modern day team just on paper had a lot more talent than your group. No one else really all season was that close. And you guys were, does that make you feel good at all? Or are you still kind of pissed off? Yeah, no, I'm pissed off. Yeah, no, it's not pissed off. Just disappointed, disappointed in myself and, and, and disappointed that, you know, things didn't, didn't turn out the way we, we, we think they could have or should have, you know, there's, there's could have and should have, and that was probably a should have having the ball twice inside the five and not scoring, you know? And, uh, and I thought that, you know, we, the kids played their hearts out and did everything they could, and just things that you know, a couple things just didn't roll our way. Bottom line, is it is it annoying after a tough loss like that when I run up to you and say, "Hey, can I ask you a couple of questions?" I mean, you're always so nice to answer them, and I really appreciate that. But is that the last thing you want to do, or is it all right? It's part of it. I get it. It's part of it. The, the tough ones always uh, for us is the last game because we want to do our senior our senior you know uh, goodbyes, and and that's tough because we want to get rolling on that, and you kind of get pulled in different directions, but. You know, I, I, it's always fun when you can do your senior goodbyes on the last practice before the state championship. So, you know, so that, that's the best way to do it. But when you have to do it after a loss, uh, uh, especially on your home field, a little, little tougher. But, uh, 
No, it's all good. I understand the aspect of it. It's all important. Two other things. So in 2007, I didn't know your wife passed away from cancer. I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I read you almost considered stopping coaching. And what was the story? It was an email that was sent to you and it made you consider uh, staying. And obviously you stayed. How happy are you that you stayed? And would you mind sharing that story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I received an email from Scott Morrison's wife and she had a did, at that time, you know, he's, he's a coach down the block. I didn't know Scott. And, um, and, uh, she had said, Hey, I saw something that you were, you know, considering, you know, I think they'd interviewed me afterwards. And I said, are you coming back? And I said, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I, you know, and, and, and she, you know, she sent an email basically saying, Hey, you're, you're a football coach and your kids see you that way. And, and, and it's important that, you know, you do what you love to do and continue this. And I just, you know, and from my standpoint, it was, it, I was, you know, well, sure. Hey, am I going to be able to do this race three young daughters, you know, and, and my wife obviously it, it doesn't have heavy lifting like most wives do in every every marriage and and and, and raising kids, and uh, and so now I was I was thrust into that role, and and uh, as I just wasn't sure if I could pull it off, and so it was it was good that 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 email really made me sit back and think about that. You know, she's right, she's right. I I had already made a career change to come into coaching and, and to get and to, and to to do this. So you know, why would I do anything else? It's what I love to do. What were you doing before? I worked. I, I worked in business. I sold. I worked for Gallo Wines. I sold wine. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is interesting. I, I had no idea. And you're quoted as saying, "If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life." So it, it seems like, I mean, you got to be one of the happiest guys around, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been a little challenging the last few years with stuff that's going on, but uh, yeah, no, you do. And and I think you know what what I think. No matter how I'm feeling, as soon as you get around the kids and their energy. And that's what's awesome about it. You know, they keep young and, and they and they're they're fun and you see how eager they are and, and, and you see what they can become. And and you want that for every single one of them. You know, I, I do a every year in, in January I talk about the recruiting process and, and different things that we have and giving them information. Um, right when we come back and I did that meeting and you know, and there's between the two days there's I don't know, probably sixty to seventy kids in that meeting. I go you realize like all of you are not getting a scholarship. Like I want you to, and I, and I, but, but, and that's great, but you know, do the math. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I go, but at the same time, you know, if you really want to play college football, there's a place for you. There's different levels. You know, I played division two and, uh, and you know, we got coaches that played division one and and different than even lower levels, you know, division three or NAI. And it's all, you know, for me, for me, football was an avenue to keep me focused on school. Not that I was a bad kid or a bad student, but it, it, it kept me in, it kept me involved in school until I realized, hey, dummy, this is more important than, than the game. So, so I, I, that's what, for me, that's what it is, trying to help them if they can advance to the next level and get some benefit, oh, hopefully financially, to play football at the college level. I'll get you out of here with this. Another one that you can take in any direction. What do you think has been your biggest accomplishment in all your years of coaching? Um, I, I really love it. Um, like this year was a perfect example uh, you know, we, we had lost to Norco the year before in the uh, spring league thing. And um, and how many alumni came out to that game? I love seeing the kids from different years coming and, and saying hi. And, 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 and you know, and, and coach, I really appreciate you or I love you. And, and it's awesome. That's by far the best thing about being a coach, for sure. Amazing. That's Matt Logan, 10-time section champ, Corona Centennial High School football coach. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. No problem.